What's going on, everybody? How we doing? Love it. That was a good response. You guys must have had your coffee this morning. Feel good. Uh, man, can we just give it up for these guys back here again? I am. If it's anything like uh, the last gathering, uh, the roof comes off again and we'll be repairing it between services. So, um, man, I just want to say one quick thing before uh, we go forward, just to acknowledge again the fathers in here. Uh, I want you to hear clearly how much we love you. Um, we are so grateful for you. And um, I, I want to acknowledge something just specifically that just happened. I don't, I don't know if anybody in here caught it, but Adam really made a, a point uh, for spiritual fathers to stand up. And I want you to know that the, the mission of this church is to exalt, disciple, and send. Our, our heart and everything that we do is going to lead towards making much of Jesus. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Uh, to disciple people and to send them out uh, to where they go. Sometimes it's just sending you back out into your workplace, into where uh, your neighborhood, into your barista coffee shop. Uh, but here's the deal. Uh, men, um, we need you. And I know you've heard that if you've sat in a church before and someone's told you that. I am asking you today as a pastor, we need you to get into the game if you're not. Uh, you feeling inadequate is no longer an excuse. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you. Amen. Amen. He is going to equip you. And he doesn't actually do that. Like we don't get into a class and then he equips us. He actually does it as we go. And so we believe, we think in this uh, country sometimes that we uh, have to believe and then grow and then we go. I'm telling you that God works in a different way. He works in the way of you believe in Christ and then you go. And as you go, he's going to grow you. He's going to equip you. And I just want to say thank you to those of you men who are discipling other men. We are in a time in our country where we, we need it more than ever. Amen. And so for those of you who hesitated a little bit to stand up and you are discipling men, I want to encourage you as one of your pastors to stand strong in that, to stand up and for letting us to honor you today and to tell you, uh, you're looking, by the way, at a guy who is the result of somebody who wasn't their father, uh, pouring out so much into my life. And um, I've got a long way to go, and uh, if you know me, but uh, I am very, very grateful for him, and I would not be standing here today uh, if it wasn't for him. And so can we just give a round of applause to all fathers, spiritual fathers, everybody in here. It was making disciples. Um, that's the call in the heart of a church. Okay, we got to hop in because I just spent three minutes talking about that. And we have to get back to the book of Psalms. We have been in the book of Psalms. And what a great way to start off uh, the summer last week. Uh, and we're going to be back in it again today and for the next four weeks after this. And so specifically today, uh, we are going to talk and walk through um, uh, the, the idea of praise. The idea of praise. And you're like, well, hold on, Nick. I thought we talked about that last week. Now, last week, we talked about worship. And if you grew up at all in this culture, in the church culture in North America, maybe you have a little confusion in that. Because what we say is, hey, praise and worship. We kind of couple it both together sometimes. And what we don't know is that praise is markedly different from worship. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. We're trying to cover at a very high level in a very short period of time a little bit of the Psalms. And we talked a little bit last week about how there are 150 Psalms. And uh, we, we kind of gave a challenge to some of our church last week uh, that you would start reading one psalm every day. Has anybody in here started that by chance? Uh, just a show of hands. It's okay. I'm giving you a chance to brag on yourself. All right. I see some hands going up. Hey, if you haven't yet, uh, I want to encourage you. Just pick it up and just start with Psalm number one and walk your way through it. And you can start this week and just begin to see the vast array of emotion that God has put in the scriptures 
And we see this, this covering of emotion from these writers. And we see what they've gone through and, and all of this array of, of feeling. And what we said last week was that we don't want to um, just get rid of the idea of emotion. I think we usually kind of sit in one camp or the other. We either go, hey, I don't want emotion anymore. I don't want anything to do with it. Or we kind of worship our emotions. And we think that our emotion and how we feel is supreme. And it's number one in our world. And what we're just saying today is we want to put truth over the top of that. And we want to couple that with emotion. And we see a powerhouse movement of worship that can begin to happen when we take our emotions and light of the word of God. Amen? And that's what the book of Psalms is all about. The book of Psalms, we said this last week, it'll be back up on the screen, is to show us the depth of human struggle and triumph while helping us see God is at the center of it all. They are not meant to just be information, y'all. It's meant to actually move us. They are songs. They are music. They are poetry. You should feel a little bit of what you felt when you were singing the way earlier, when you read the Psalms. You know what I mean? You should get it like in your bones a little bit sometimes. And people uh, will pray the Psalms. And Puritans used to pray the Psalms. And for centuries, people have been accessing these Psalms to go to a new level of movement and their feeling and their relationship with the Lord. And that's why I'm telling you, pick one up. I dare you this summer, if it's just this summer, just to start in it, and it will bless you immensely. Um, we said there were two kinds of psalms, by the way. We said there were praise, and we said there are lament psalms. And today, uh, we were going to go into some of the lament today, and I actually uh, just kind of felt, uh, just being honest in prayer with our team, that God said, hey, I want you just to park right here for a second. And let's not go forward any further. Let's look at this a little bit more. And, and we're going to look today specifically at the difference between worship, what we talked about last week, and praise. I, I can't tell you this enough. If you didn't listen to the sermon last week, man, go listen to it. Because your understanding of the difference of worship and praise will take you to a new level of honoring the Lord. And seeing him with new eyes and uh, just joy and excitement. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Worship, like we said last week, is all about what you value. It's what is sitting on the throne of your heart. What takes supreme that begins to move in your head and your heart and your hands. What takes supreme in your intellect. Where do you give your mind energy to? Where do your emotions mostly go to? Where do your actions mostly go to? We said it this way. There's a, um, there's a, there's a, um, a definition that will be up on the screen here. It says worship is the act of ascribing ultimate value to something in a way that engages your entire being. It's, it's, it's ascribing, it's giving ultimate value to something in a way that engages your head and your heart and your hands, your mind and your intellect and your will, what you are doing. And so you might wonder a little bit, what is the difference there? We're going to answer three questions today, all right? One of the questions that we're going to answer today is what is praise and how is it different from worship? Then we're going to answer the question, what does God say? Like actually, God actually tells us ways we can, worship, we can praise him, ways we can praise him. And we're going to look, number two, at that. And then number three, we're going to end on this. We're going to end on how do I cultivate a heart of praise. We're going to be in Psalm 150. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up Psalm 150. Uh, if you need a Bible, just raise your hand really high. That's our gift to you. Our ushers are going to give that to you to take home. You can have that. Uh, you can also follow along with us by Uversion Bible app. You can click on the events and click on uh, nearby events and click the Well Austin. Or you just plug in this uh, URL right at the bottom of the screen into your browser and you can follow all of these notes. All right? You guys ready? I'm not fully convinced. You with, you with me? All right, let's go. We're going to read Psalm 150, the last psalm in the book of Psalms. Here's what it says. 
Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. I'm going to keep pushing through for all my Baptist people here, all right? Praise him with the sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And say it with me. Close this out with me. Praise the Lord. Come on. Praise and worship are markedly different. Throughout the Bible, you will see that there are so many commands to praise the Lord. I want you to see God tells many different kinds of ways we can praise, who to praise the Lord. He calls angels and the heavenly host today in the, in the heavens with him to praise him. That means he's telling those who are eternal beings with him right now to be praising him. They do not stop praising him. He calls us, the inhabitants of the earth, us human beings here, that he has given dominion to lead this earth, to steward this earth. He's called us to praise him. And then it says in here that he's called all the earth and all of creation. That means if you even look back just a couple psalms at 148, it literally says if you're the moon and the sun and the stars, praise me. That means that the sun rose today to do what? Not just give us light today. It rose today to praise God. Because God made it and it will praise him. And so God calls these ways to praise him. The first time we even see the idea of praise is in Genesis it's in Genesis 29, 35. It'll be on the screen. Uh, Leah, she conceives a son. And it says this, she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she named him Judah. And I wrote under there that word in Hebrew, Judah, that name, Yehuda. it means he will be praised. And so she named her son, God will be praised. I got moms in here today getting some ideas, I think. All right. Over 400 times, 400 times is it commanded to sing and praise God in Scripture. 50 of those are specifically to sing to him. Hello. So we didn't show up today, right, just to sit here and just be laid back. God actually commanded us today to sing to him, all right? A very um, general definition for you today. If you just want like a general definition of what praise is, all right? Praise is the joyful recounting of all God has done for us. And it is closely intertwined with thanksgiving as we offer back to God appreciation for his works on our behalf. Let me say that again for those of you who checked out this morning. Praise is joyful recounting of what God has done for you. It is closely intertwined with gratitude. It is very close with gratitude as we offer back to God, appreciation for his works on our behalf. Another way, a simplified way of saying that is praise is our response to God. Praise is our response to God. Another way, even more better said, praise is the result of your worship. So when you begin to value something and you see it, right? By the way, worship begins with your sight. It's what you see that you value, your, your sight and how you value the cross and Christ. You begin to value that as you see that. It moves into this welling up of gratitude that moves into our response of praise. That is the difference between what we value in worship and what we praise is our response, all right? Uh, worship, it's an attitude of the mind, the heart, the will. Praise is the result. Worship, deeply intertwined with value. Praise, deeply intertwined with gratitude. Worship, it's a little harder. 
All right, every, something is in our heart right now, and, and I would argue today that we all, every single day, are worshiping different things beside God that take supreme value in our life and in our hearts, and God is constantly pushing back because he loves you to say, hey, if you just put me in that supreme position of value, I will actually open up new things for you. I will begin to bring you some more freedom. I will begin to bring you more joy and a peace and a satisfaction. So that's what we value. It's a little bit tougher to identify that and begin to change some things because of that and, and ask, ask him to access that. But praise is a little bit easier. It's part of worship, but it's the response of worship. Worship is what we value. It engages our entire being. And you know what they say. When the praises go up. Yo, I thought we were a little more cultured in here than that, okay? Uh, okay, I know some of y'all are really confused. But that's for whoever's cultured in here today. I'm just going to leave it at that, all right? Hey, uh, some of y'all are stuck on that. We're going to move forward. Hey, my life, uh, I want to tell you a little bit about my life in this. Um, I grew up in the Catholic church. And I grew up at a young age going to Catholic Mass every single week. I've got a great big uh, Irish family uh, that is Catholic, and they are incredible. And my mama, she loves Jesus. Uh, she is a charismatic Catholic, and she loves him deeply. And uh, she put me in, some of y'all didn't even know that existed, by the way. It does exist. It just means they know the spirit of God. Um, and so she put me at a young age into uh, some charismatic youth groups, and I began to kind of walk through that, and so that's where I began to understand like this, this relate concept of relationship with God over the idea of religion, but man, my faith was never my own. It was never mine, and when I got to high school, um, a friend of mine invited me uh, to this uh, summer Christian camp, which I had no idea existed, by the way. Uh, I thought it was kind of weird that like people went off in the summer to a camp for Christians, like, okay, that's interesting. Uh, um, interestingly enough, I found out years later uh, that someone, um, I grew up with a single mom, uh, paid for my way anonymously to go to this camp. And uh, th at that time when I went to the camp, I went because they had wakeboarding and paintballing and girls. And I thought, okay, uh, why, what else would I do this summer? And I got there and uh, I saw people my age for the first time singing to God. And like their arms lifted and raised. And y'all, I was so confused. I mean, we don't do that in Catholic church all the time, even if you're charismatic a little bit, all right? Uh, we didn't do that. I wasn't used to that. And I remember like sitting in the back, kind of hands in my pocket and like, uh, you know, just like this wet goop started like coming out of my eyes. I'm like, what is going on inside of me? And somehow um, that summer, I, I wouldn't have said it right then and there, but somehow that summer I looked back at it and I realized it's when God revealed himself to me. It's when I saw how beautiful and good he was. And I came back home and I wrestled like many of us do when we first experienced life with Jesus, our sin and our flesh. And I got into college and I went to this little church down the road called the Austin Stone. Someone invited me and I walked in one day and, uh, man, it was dark in there and it was loud. And I was like, what is happening? And uh, our worship pastor at the time was this guy named Chris Tomlin. And Chris is a Grammy Award winning artist. He's an amazing man of God. I had a chance actually to work with him years later, which is awesome. But this man uh, just sort of started to show a little bit of a different side of what worship and praise looked like to us. And I was like, okay, y'all are crazy. I mean, people are going berserk. Their hands are up. I mean, people are weeping and sobbing. Like, veins are coming out of their neck. And, like, I mean, I was like, I'm not having any of this anymore. And I was like, until the next week, and I came right back, you know. And I sat down there, and I was like, okay, wow, what is this? And, and then, like, slowly and surely, like, my hand, like, you know, so like I said this last week, started coming out of my pocket, Right. And, and then it was like, okay, two hands, and no one can really see down here, you know. And, 
and then I'll come here, not like this, because that's another step, right, in the process, but like, I'm gonna come here, and but like, and, I'm, and then I'm gonna go this, and eventually it was one hand, but only at the right time when the music, you know, hit, you know what I'm saying? It's like, I know now, okay, I see him now, that's when my hand goes up. And then like, eventually it was two hands, and it was like, okay, I'm a little uh, uninhibited here. Like, I'm like, okay, let's go after this thing a little bit. And I began to learn that there was a different way to praise God. And then uh, my brother and I, I went overseas and spent two months in Zambia in college. And I went with my, my brother Matt over here and got to experience a whole different culture. And you start seeing people in other cultures, just their garb, like covered in beads and color. And that's worship to them. And, and they feel like they're praising God when they wear that. And I mean, and they're in the aisles. And I mean, they're up and down the aisles. And I mean, hands are up. And I mean, you know, knees are going. And it's like... And you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And we're like, this is so good. And I mean, tongues are doing things that I can't, I can't do it. And they're going off. And I remember thinking, that is amazing. I remember thinking, that's so incredible. And then you come back here to the States and you go, okay, well, that was okay over there, right? But not over here. Like, well, I, well, I mean, that was amazing. They do that over there, but we don't do that over here. And you begin to just kind of see God begin to show with my eyes as I begin to worship him and value him a little bit more and more. It begins to show me that there are these different kinds of responses to praise. And that God is going to call us into these different kinds of responses. And I hope today, my prayer for you today, is that there's going to be some language for you. That you're going to see maybe what you've done for years. That it's actually in the scriptures. Like it's prescribed in the scriptures. That God gives us these descriptions and shows us that there are ways to praise him that are beyond maybe just what we are used to in our world. Okay, amen. And so if that's what the difference is between praise and worship, the question is, what are these things? How should our praise look? Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones says it this way. He says, a dislike for enthusiasm can be one of the greatest hindrances to revival. A dislike for enthusiasm can be one of the greatest hindrances to revival. Uh, it's important for you to understand this today. That Bible you brought in here today the Bible that you have, whether it's on your phone or in your hands, uh, that was transcribed. It was uh, translated, I should better say, into a different language. And so the Old Testament is written uh, mostly in Hebrew. And, and that Hebrew language, when it's translated, it loses some of the meaning of the words that it has. And so what you have to understand is when you read, uh, when you study, there's so much more depth that you can go to. And as you begin to grow in your faith and you want to study more, to begin to see the meanings of these words. Because we lose, I mean, the English language is kind of like this junk drawer of language, you know what I mean? It's like we create random words and we've got one word that means like 20,000 different things. And it's so, if you've ever been to anybody who's learned the English language, they will tell you it's a really difficult language. Because we don't know the difference between like um, bank, like go to the go to the, the you know we don't know the difference between bank, like go to the bank to deposit money, or go to like the bank that's like burrowed out in here, like where the water is. You know what I mean? Um, recently in 2015, this man, I had to write his name down and couldn't memorize it because I can't uh, pronounce this very well. Igor Krupnik, Igor Krupnik was an anthropologist at the Smithsonian Arctic Study Center in Washington D.C. I bet you didn't know that existed. But this man who's an anthropologist at this center in D.C., he found out recently in 2015, he proved that Eskimos, Inuits, have 40 to 50 words for just the word snow in our language. 40 to, so you tell an Eskimo, you're like, I just battled snow. They're like, well, what kind? And then it lists like 50 of them, right? You know, that's exactly, and we do this too. I mean, we do this with the word love. You know this, right? Like the word love, we, we say, I love fajitas. They're amazing. You know, I love me some Tex-Mex. And then you go, hey, I love you, wife. You tell your wife. That's just, something doesn't correlate there. You know what I mean? 
like I can't tell her the same, I don't, you don't love it the same way. And that's because in the Greek, in the Greek language, even as you look in the scriptures, there are four words for love, astorge, phileo, eros, agape. There's this idea of astorge, like I love Chick-fil-A. Can I get an amen? All right. Phileo, I love you, man. Osage, I love you, man. That's phileo. It's this friendship love. Then there is this eros, this sexuality, this passion love. And then there's the agape. It's the laying down your life, the John 15, that you would lay down your life. It would lay down your wants, your needs. It's a selfless, sacrificial love. And what is amazing is that there are seven words in the Hebrew language for the word praise. And we're going to learn them today. And we're going to look right at them. We're going to start with number one. It's the word. We've already said it today a couple times. It's the root word halal. Halal. It's when we said this morning, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we said it. It's where we get that word hallelujah from. The definition is to rave and to shine and to boast and to celebrate and to be clamorously foolish for the Lord. I love this next part. To make a show of it. Ooh, that's going to rub up against somebody today. To make a show of it, huh? You would think in this country it's really difficult for us because we say things like, hey, I just passed my math test. You're like, man, hallelujah, bro. And you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. That word actually means to act a fool, to go crazy for God, to, to kind of worship with abandonment to him. And so we talk about this and you see this. Uh, it's the most used word, root word for praise in all of the Psalms and all the scriptures, halal. It's used over and over and over in Psalm 150 that we just read. A hallelujah, it lets everybody know, let's all praise, halal, let's get a little crazy and praise Yah, Yahweh, hallelujah. That's what it stands for. And so that is the call of this word. It's so embedded in the book of Psalms that it is literally, it is the end of the book. I mean, look at this 148. 149 and 150, they all start with this. Praise the Lord at the beginning. Praise the Lord at the end, 149. Hallelujah, praise the Lord on the end. Hallelujah. The beginning of 150, hallelujah, praise the Lord. At the end, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Uh, Charles Spurgeon says, uh, we, we, we kind of mistreat this word. We don't hold the reverence of what it means. So the next time we say hallelujah, you better start getting a little crazy, amen? That's what he's calling us to. He's calling us to get a little crazy. And I know this is hard for some of us. I see it on your faces right now, some of y'all. Some of y'all look at me like, you're crazy. You're crazy. You think I'm going to get a little crazy? No, no, no. God calls us to worship and praise with abandonment, to get a little nuts sometimes for him. And that is really difficult for someone like me. They went overseas and saw it happen somewhere else and thought, well, I can go there because I feel safe. But when I come over here, it's not safe. It doesn't feel right. And God calls us into this. Look at this, Psalm 69, verse 30. I'm going to spend just a little more time on this one because it's used a lot more. Psalm 69, verse 30. Check this out. I will praise Halal, God's name, in a song. I will glorify him with thanksgiving. This will please the Lord more than an ox, more than a bull, more than horns or hooves. What he is saying here is that better than any other sacrifice you could give to God, he's saying it pleases God to worship him with a little bit of acting a foolish, with a little bit of letting go of yourself. That he literally says when you let go of yourself and don't worry about the people around you and just give your worship to God, no one cares about your voice today. No one cares about your abandonment. God is looking at you, not just looking at you. He commands us to give this sort of worship to him. My question for you, have you ever been in a moment like this? 
Have you ever worshipped God in such abandonment that you lost, it's kind of like there's a song that says we lose ourselves in the art of worship and praise, right? We lose ourselves in it. And I know this is, it should be, let me tell you this, if it's pushing up against any uncomfortability today, amen. Let it be so. That's a good thing. God wants to move us out of ourselves. Because when you think that you're being a distraction, you're oftentimes, sometimes focusing on yourself more than you are on the Lord. When you're in your mind wondering, if I put my hands up, can they see? It's like, no, God is calling you to him. This is about you and him and about us together. And he's calling us to halal. Has anybody in here ever been to a Jewish wedding? Anybody ever been to a Jewish wedding? When, let me just ask you, when, when does the real ceremony start? When does, the, when does the party start? Afterwards. They smash that bottle and here we go. It's, we're opa, we're grabbing arms. I mean, we are na 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 Hey, and we're lifting people up on chairs and they're ripping off shirts and they don't care. They don't, your family, if you're there, by the way, you're in because we're going to halal tonight. We're going to get after it tonight. We're going to worship God tonight. Psalm 156 says, let everything that has breath. We just read this. Praise the Lord. Let everything halal the Lord. Every single thing. Let it halal. Let it lose itself. Let it make a show of its praise. I got a little convicted this week reading this. Because I've, I've been to a church even in this town. That I, I went into the church and, look, I'm not here today to make any statements about what is accurate, not accurate, what is truthful, not truthful. But I've been to a church in this town where I've walked out criticizing, being cynical because the people were just a little bit more uninhibited than I was. And they were like maybe in the back like doing some crazy things with their hands or maybe someone's dancing in the corner. And so I've been in that situation and I'm just telling you right now, I, I get it if this presses up against you and, and you don't really love this, but I, I just want to tell you uh, today, and it's okay if you're not there. I just want to tell you, though, that it's in the scriptures, that the Lord calls for it. We see this most evidently when David's coming back with the Ark of the Covenant, and he's taking it in to Jerusalem. And he's so over, like, he's just so joyful. It says he rips off of his clothes, and he starts dancing naked in, in joy and worship. Now, if you do that today, I'm getting Lieutenant Beverly in here. She's got a taser, all right, okay? She's going she's gonna to take you down today if you do that. I got to protect the kids, all right, all right? So do that in your own home, all right? But, <laughs> but I'm telling you today that God calls you into this form. And if you are feeling his press up against you, it's a good thing. God, I want you to lean into this resistance that you have to this. He wants you to maybe just see what is it there that's going on. Have you ever, have you ever been in this place? C.S. Lewis says it this way, the most valuable thing in the Psalms to do for me is to express the same delight in God which David danced. It's crazy because in Psalm 119, David says this. He says, seven times a day I will halal. Seven times a day I will halal you for your righteous laws. I don't know what that looks like. Like, I don't know if he like picked up his iPhone and just like said it like seven times. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, there's David, top of the hour again. Here he goes, ripping off his shirt. But it, but it challenges us. It challenges us in our sight, our vision, what we, what we value, what we worship. And ultimately, what our response is in light of that. It's crazy. When our worship sinks deep, halal is the praise response. When our worship of God and what we value sinks really deep, halal is a natural praise response. And, and let me just say this today. If you're in there going, I don't have that switch, you have that switch. You've got it. We all have it. 
I know you have it because I know y'all been to some sports games. And I know you value the Horns, and I know you value the Aggies, and I know you value, did you, anybody see Toronto this week? I mean, they went, yeah, right? It's like they took down another dynasty or Kawhi Leonard, got feelings about him. I won't talk about him today. I'm from San Antonio. But look, I'm telling you, this week in Toronto, the city went crazy. I mean, they're Canadian, so they didn't like burn it down completely. Like they cleaned it all up and they're really polite about it. <laughs> But look, it was, sorry, if you're Canadian, we love you. We need to learn from you. But look, they went nuts. Uh, we brought this up last week, all of my Aggie friends. What, what are those guys down and below in the white? What are they called? Okay, I thought they were milk, they look like milkmen, okay? But, they, you know, they pull people together and they, I love it. I, I actually got mad respect for it because what do they do? They, they gather everybody and what are they doing? They're trying to hallelujah. They're trying to pull people together corporately to praise and cheer on their team. And they just, you know, they slap the stage and they go a little, you know, down on the ground, they go a little crazy. And, and the whole place, 105,000 strong, starts erupting in praise. And so that is the picture. We all have it in us. But sadly, 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 so many of us have been told that God doesn't want this, that he wants reverence. And it's pushing up against me and my upbringing, and I'm sure that for some of us it pushes up against that. we got to pick up the pace a little bit. The second word here is tahila, and I'm not talking about what goes into a margarita. Um, the, the word, I don't know what's wrong with me, I'm sorry. Uh, the definition is to praise vocally in a song. So you don't just praise foolishly and act mad and make a show of your praise, but you actually can praise in a song, and we have done that today. Amen? We've started to praise in Tehillah, all right? It's the idea of a song of praise. I love the way that the King James Version says this in Psalm 22.3. It says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Thou that inhabitest the Tehillah, the songs of God's people. So God's presence comes today and is here with us as we praise him, as we give him Lift him up in song. Charles Spurgeon says this. He says, praise is the rehearsal of our eternal song. By grace we learn to sing and in glory we will continue to sing. The scriptures tell us, y'all. Yes, we can clap for that. We will continue to sing. We will sing to God forever. I don't know what your view of heaven is like. I don't know if it's we're all just sitting in the clouds, you know. I don't think it's that probably. I think it says that heaven comes down to earth. But it says we will sing to God forever. And right now, angels encircle him, enthroning him in praise and song with a lot of tequila. All right. Number three is the word zamar. It means to praise with instruments, to celebrate in song and music, to touch the strings or parts of a musical instrument. So not just in song. Not just with our voice. Hello, I know this is pushing a little bit on my Church of Christ friends in here. It pushes a little bit. But 41 times in the scripture, the word zamar is used to use instruments in praising God. It's fascinating to me because back when I was reading about this, I learned in the ancient world, a lot of times they would take musical instruments and they would not even read the Holy Scriptures without putting some music behind it. Now look. I also know that pushes a little against us. Because some of us in here are like, why are you guys playing music up there on stage while someone's talking? And, and I've gotten emails about it at times. Like, are you trying to manipulate us? Are you trying, what are you trying to do, huh? You ain't gonna get me, all right? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no. There's actually biblical reference to it. I, I know you don't believe me, those of you who've done that, but I want you to hear this. Second Kings 3. 
uh, the children of Israel, they're deliberating, um, and they're going to deliberate whether or not they're going to go into battle with Moab, and their water storehouses have run dry. And so they say, hey, I need, we need a prophet. We need a prophet to speak to God on our behalf and ask him what's going on. And so Elisha shows up, and when he shows up, he says, I've got a word from the Lord for you. But I'm not going to tell you that word until there's some music behind me. And look what it says right here. He says this. It says, but now bring me a harpist. And while the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elijah. Let me just say that again. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came on Elijah. And he said, this is what the Lord says. I will fill this valley with pools of water. Oh, my goodness. How beautiful that something happens in us when music is playing over something. How beautiful is it when instruments are used? You look, you know this. You know this. Anybody, um, anybody watch America's Got Talent or watch the viral video of this beautiful young man who, um, he's blind and autistic and he went on uh, America's Got Talent a couple weeks ago. Anybody see that? If you haven't, just go Google that. Like, you need to see it today. A man, as they're telling his story, uh, they're playing music in the background. Why? Because something happens in our soul. We're loosened up. Like, it opens up something. Um, Darren, oh, you see this also in movies. That's why there's a soundtrack. It's why there's a score. Because it moves us into emotion. It's not manipulation. It's the Lord actually doing something. And you should probably tap into what's going on when you feel that. Now, check this out. I mean, Darren Whitehead, he's a pastor in Nashville. He talks a lot about this. He says this. He says, music is more powerful than we even understand. It softens our hearts, soothes our troubled souls, and it opens a door to the spiritual world. It paves the road for the Spirit's company. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I mean, would it not just be amazing if our life was like there was a soundtrack going on and everything we did, it was like high school musical, you know, and everywhere, <laughs> everywhere we go, it was like music was playing. It's like, I'm at church today. I mean, would, I mean doesn't, wouldn't that be beautiful? If that just like, but, but God gives us music. And he tells us to zabar, to praise him with some instruments uh, and to play the music, all right? Uh, we're going to move forward here. By the way, we live in the live music capital of the country. Arguably, some people say the world. And I would tell you uh, how beautiful is it that music, the end all be all, the reason it was created was to glorify God. That there's something you can go see, a Willie Nelson concert, and actually glorify God. You can go see something and it stirs your heart and your soul so much and it glorifies God. Okay, we got to pick up the pace. Number four, uh, Yoda. It's for all my Star Wars nerds out there. Uh, it is to extend the hands. Again, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm sorry. To extend the hands, to lift, and to throw your hands up in praise and surrender. That, that it's actually biblical to raise your hands and surrender to God as you praise him. How beautiful is that? The same idea of this word is like um, throwing an arrow out or throwing a stone. The idea is that it would shoot out your hand and shoot out your arms. And, and maybe you felt that at times. Or like, I just need to just do this. And maybe there's like a party going on on the inside, but like your face, you don't see it all on the outside. And you just want to, you know, do that. Like, that is, that is this idea of yoda, And it's used 111 times in scripture. Um, I love this quote by Martin Luther. It says, next to the word of God, the noble art of music is the greatest treasure in the world. Beautiful music is the art of the prophets that can calm the agitations of the soul. It is one of the most magnificent and delightful presents that God has given us. The fifth word is this idea, uh, this word called, uh, root word called tada. 
and uh, uh, it's to sing praises together as a community, okay? So now we're not just talking about the idea of going a little mad and crazy and exuberant and singing with our voice and singing with instruments. And we're not talking about just raising our hands. But now there's an idea of praising God together in a community. And we said it last week, right? Ephesians 5 says that we don't just sing to God, we sing to each other. And when you do that together, something happens. Something stirs your heart. My prayer has been for those of you today that walked in here and you were not feeling it today. I understand that. But my prayer is that the saints are going to lift you in their voices at the end of this thing today. And I pray that you walk out of here encouraged and lifted. Um, it's like this, you know. Um, you ever seen somebody has like a one-hit wonder? Like you go to their concert, you know, and you, you, you like they play all these songs before that one song that you want. You're like... I gotta sit through all of this to get to that one. It's like if we went to like a little Nas X concert, right? You know, I did it. I said it because it makes sense to you right now. If you don't know what that is, then you've been under a rock. You would not care about any of the other stuff that he's got going on. You'd be waiting for what? What song would you be waiting for? Old Town Road. Old Town Road. I'm gonna take my. Okay, you would be waiting for this moment. And guess what would happen when that song comes on at the end? What happens? We erupt in singing it. And little Nas, you know, he gets up there and he says a couple of the lyrics. And then he just steps back. And what happens? They just take it over, you know. I saw them little kids. They went viral. You know, he went to the elementary school. Same exact thing. They just took it over. It happens here in worship. It happens here. Anthony gets up and he's like, he sings a song. And it just, man, it's that song, let revival come. That's been our song, right, for a while. You know, we were in that season. And he would sing it and y'all would just take it over. And he can just step back from the mic for a little bit. And we lift each other in corporate worship. The sixth word is Barack and not Obama, okay? I heard y'all. I feel you. I feel you, fam. I like it. All right. I just got to say, that's not what it is. I mean, his name means this. But, hey, uh, it means to kneel down. It means to bow and to salute and to bless God. So for my introverts in here today, hello. Uh, this is yours right here, right? <laughs> to do it in reverence. To do something in bowing to God, to praise him in reverence, to praise him with a solemn spirit, to come before him. We sing this in the famous Christmas song, O Holy Night. We say, fall on your knees, right? And we talk about falling in reverence before something. The idea of the word, it's used with a king. It's used with like royalty. Um, and really, uh, it says this in Psalm 103, verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in me. Bless his holy name. It's this idea, Barak. Barak the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You know, we come to, to church a lot, and uh, I want you to know something. We come here, and sometimes we ask these questions, and I think it's out of a right heart, but we say, how was worship today? How was the praise today? How was the sermon today? You know, we ask that question, how was worship today? And I want to tell you something. Nobody can give their affection to God but you. And we ask that question, yeah, nobody can give your affection to God but you. You have to give it to him. You've got to barack and bow down. You've got to come before him. And we come and we ask, how was worship today? What if the better question was, how was your worship today? How was your praise today? Did you worship him? Did you kneel before him? Did you tehillah? Did you praise him? And the last word here is shabak. And it's this idea of addressing in a loud tone, commending Something in triumph, 
exclaiming the excellencies of somebody. It's this idea in Psalm 145.4 that says, One generation commends your works to another, and they will tell of your mighty acts. I love that because uh, there's really not a better uh, word of praise on Father's Day than to say from one generation to the next, we need a Shabbat. Y'all, we have to carry the winds of the Lord and share them with other people. We have got to tell the world of how God has worked in your life. We have got to stop this false insecurity that we're afraid to say how God is moving because somebody else is hurting. You have got to tell people, how is the Lord moving in your life? You've got to notate it. You've got to fight for it. You've got to make a spiritual discipline of it. That you would see because your mind, so like science and sociology has proven this. You are prone to negativity. We are in our broken spirits. Look at the negative things more than the positive things. And I'm telling you today, we need to carry on from generation to generation the good things that God has done. Amen. We need to tell them that today. And spiritual fathers and mothers, we need you. We need to start making lists. We need to start telling people what has God done. He's done this and this and this. You should know every single day what God has been doing in your life, and you should not go to bed until you have notated it. You should not, at least some of it. I, I have got a bunch of 18, 19, 20-year-old boys that I hang out with, and I tell them this all the time. We, we text each other a list of 15 things that we're thankful for every day. And I will tell you something. It changes my perspective when I wake up in the morning, and I've got, I've got some gratitude lists sitting on my phone from somebody else. One of them is sitting back here. He knows. He's sitting here today. We text each other this. I've got groups of guys that have been walking forever. I'm trying to teach us. We've got to lift our spirits. We're about to enter into these psalms of lament, of depression, and anxiety, and grief, and fear. These are weapons, worship, praise, gratitude. God has given it to us to fight back against the things of this world that are tearing our souls down and apart. Um, I saw this video once, by the way, of Tom Brady. I love it. You can see in Common Grace, you can see the Lord working. Uh, Tom was given this interview, and he said that his job as a, as a quarterback is not uh, to just throw footballs and throw, uh, and, and, and throw touchdowns. That his job is to remind his team on the field and off the field that they are always winning. And what is he saying? I'm going to remind you of all the great things we've done to get this. We are winning the day. I told our team this. I want us, I want you guys to email us, tell us. We want to hear what is God doing. Don't just use that connect page for just prayer requests. Tell us celebrations because we need to know what God's doing and we need to commend it to one generation to the other. It's why we're standing on the campus at UT and partnering in a worship gathering right now because we're going to commend to that generation that God is good and we will lift his name and we will shabak him and we will praise a God that is good and he has not stopped working for you. He has not stopped fighting for you. And today, if you're carrying the weight and the pain of the world on your shoulders today, I want you to know that God has not quit. And I will tell you, come find me, I will tell you 20 times that he's pulled me out of the pit. I can do that, and we should all be able to do that. Amen? Amen. God is so good. I, I feel y'all want to clap. You got to either do it or you don't. So um, the, little, the little on and off is a little weird for me, all right? <laughs> okay. Woo, I need to get out of here. Okay, last thing I'll say to you. If that's how what the difference in praise and worship is. And that's how we praise him. The question is, um, well, how do you cultivate this heart of praise? And we just said it. It's with a heart of gratitude. 
It's understanding today, y'all. Again and again. Remember, I want you to hear this. If you walk away with one thing, this begins with your sight. Do you see the cross clearly today? Do you know, friend, that God gave everything for you? So when he calls us to give everything back to him, he's not doing it out of like, I'm trying to force you to do something. He is a great father that wants the best for you. He gave you his life. He holds nothing against you today for those of us who are in faith. And he is moving us along like a great father. He is growing us. You might feel like you are crawling on the ground today. God will get you to where you walk. You might feel like you went back to crawling. He'll pull you back up. This is not hype. This is the truth. Because the cross, when the cross is the vision that we have, it moves us in our value. We see with our intellect and our, our heart, our emotions, and with our hands and our obedience, we see how good he is, and we begin to respond to that. That all of a sudden, halal and crazy worship and shabak and tahila and zamar, all of, these, all of these ways to praise don't seem so crazy anymore. When you know what you're responding to, this is the idea of praise. I want to end with this idea. Luke 17, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And he's on the road to Jerusalem and he enters a village and there are 10 lepers that are there in this village. And they all throw themselves on Jesus because they have heard what he is able to do. And in that place, he heals every single one of these lepers who are unclean, unable to enter into the place of worship. And he heals them and then he says, hey, go to the priest, the ones that are keeping you from going entering into worship. And he's, he wants to show the priest they're clean. They've been completely cleansed. And they go back and they show the priest. And this is what it says in Luke 17, verse 15. It'll be on the screen. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. I just circle that word, those words, turn back. Because by the way, that's life. Always. You go one way, God does something again, and you turn back to thank him. Because look what happens. Praise God. Praising God with a loud voice. He fell on his face giving thanks now, he was a Samaritan. He wasn't even a Jew. And Jesus answered, were not ten of them cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except this foreigner? <laughs> and he said, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. you got to practice gratitude. And I'll close out because when you see God for who he is, and you worship him because you value him, and you have a thankful heart, you begin to praise him in these ways. And I just want to, I just want to urge you today, where, where is that pushing on you? To lean into that. Where is God pushing on you today? Some of you might say, that's not my personality. I'm an engineer, Nick. Ain't my thing. I ain't going to do that. No offense to engineers. Accountants. What, I mean, what are the stereotypes? I know some of the most exuberant accountants in the world. But here's the thing. He's, he's not pushing on your personality. He's commanding you. He's calling you to this. I want to say that so pastorally that the number one command in Scripture of us is to pray. You know what the second one is? The more commands after prayer than anything else is to sing to God. Sing to Him. Sing, sing, sing. Praise Him. And I wrestle with this. I wrestle with it. But my comfort cannot be more important than your commands, God. My comfort cannot be more important than what God calls you in. What you don't understand, it's like everything else, and some of us don't understand this, that God is wanting to take you to another place. And you've been wondering how to go deeper with him, and he's wanting to take you into this place. And he's telling you, this is what I'm calling you to do. 
And if you would just move past your, into the uncomfortability, he might do us. Many of us say today, I'm afraid what people are going to think. Look, I, I get that. You're like, I got a terrible voice. I ain't trying to sing. Nobody wants to hear me shout. I mean, this week, last week I was sitting right there and I literally just threw my arms up and I hit my sister right here, right in the face as she was walking by. And I'm like, oh gosh, okay, then I'm right back at it. It's like, we've got to get over ourselves for the sake of getting on to God. We've got to get over ourselves and our minds and what we think it's all about us. It ain't about you today. No one's worried about you. We're here because of Jesus. And we want to praise Jesus. He doesn't need our applause today. He didn't wake up this morning going, man, it was a hard week. Y'all need to start <laughs> clapping your hands for me, all right? God's not melancholy today. <laughs> he needs nothing from us. But we applaud him because it's for ourselves. It's a gift. It isn't showmanship. But praise is just simply returning back to God the very breath that he gave us. You live today, and if that's not enough for you to hear, it's the most simple thing I want to tell you. The very breath in your lungs were a gift. And you woke up this morning, and you're breathing. And not everybody can say that. And so for that, we praise God. Amen. We're going to do something today that's not normal, but I think it would be a little weird if we just talked about this and we didn't put it to practice. All right? So don't worry. I don't have any snakes or anything for everybody today. We ain't going to be pulling out flags today. It's okay. <laughs> so just breathe a little easier. But I am going to call you into worship. And I'm going to ask you all to stand. If you all would just stand with me, the band's going to come out and start playing. We're going to practice this a little bit today. I don't want to force anything. I don't want you to manipulate your emotions today. All right? But I want to call you into worshiping God. Look, you've heard this. God's deposited this truth. You will never hear this for the first time again, okay? This is the first time you get to respond to these words. But you don't know what God is going to do for somebody else or even for yourselves, okay? We did two songs in the front end today for this reason. And we're going to do three on the back end. There will be communion over here. You can go at any time you want. But I just want you to sit and praise God, can we do that? Can we lift a shout to the Lord of all creation today? He is so good.